Uh, we're looking at a new series, launching a new series on parenting, and really dealing with the idea of forming a parent game plan. Um, a game plan is very, very different than a program. A program, if you've ever been to the theater or you've been to a concert or, you know, and you receive a program, even this, you know, you receive a program, you kind of see what's coming. You know, there's this order, there's this sequence of what, what you can expect to happen, right? But in a game plan, a game plan, it, it involves you're responding to all of what comes up. There's shifts, there's turns, there's changes, and you need to know, you know, how to navigate through each situation. And so parenting, if, if you're a parent, then you understand parenting requires more than a program. You know, you don't just get to wake up and, okay, here's what's going to happen today. Really, it's, you need a game plan because things change. There are all these unanticipated events that stir up in, in your child's life. There's things that come up in your own life. And if you don't have a game plan and you've only got a program and you're, re- you know, you're referencing your program, you're, you're going to lose perspective. You're going to lose your temper. You're going to lose. And I've been there. And so if we'll look at this more of like a game plan, it really does help us. So if you're trying to raise kids, um, you know, I understand what you're going through. I'm in the trenches myself. I'm, uh, I would say I'm somewhere in the second quarter of this whole game. Um, raising three kids at the moment. Not sure if we're going to have any more, but she would say probably not. I would say we'll see. And so, <laughs> but age is six, three, and about seven months. Uh, two boys and a girl. So I, I'm right in the middle of the game. Like I said, somewhere in, in the second quarter, I think. Got a, got a ways to go before this game is over. And... Um, But my wife and I, we've been married for about 11 years, and we understand it is very, very difficult to parent. And so for those of you who are parenting, we're right there with you. We understand what you're going through. We're struggling through this game just as you are. And um, But I'm looking at this opportunity and this reality of my life. I recognize that the stakes are extremely high. The stakes for my kids' development, their character, that's extremely high. No one else... Um, has that responsibility. Um, I, I have that responsibility as, as my children's father. That is my responsibility to parent. But if I just take a haphazard approach, then, then it, this ain't going to go well. We're going to end up at the end of the game. We're going to be scratching our heads going, what happened? You know, we're going to see our adult children in a place where uh, we may not want to see them. And so if you're like me, um, let's imagine for a little bit that we're kind of like in a halftime, okay? We're in the locker room, if you can do that, if you're a guy, okay? <laughs> if you're a gal, commercial break, you know? And it's, the baking show has concluded, I'm just kidding, that was really cold. I didn't even plan that, that was cold. <laughs> but, you know, whatever a break looks like for you, let's say that, okay? Whatever a break, and you're in the middle and you're trying to evaluate, is this really working? You know, the coach in the middle of, in the middle of halftime, he's in the locker room, and if they're winning, you don't just say, great, go out there and, you know, just keep it up, you know, period, you know, have a good time, guys, go team. No, you still go out there and you evaluate what's going on. You're still thinking through your game plan, aren't you? You're still, even if you're winning, you've got to maintain the lead. And so, if you're losing, you've got to figure out, how, how do we catch up? What is it that we're not doing? What is it that we can plan for? And so, think of this, parents... As, as a time to kind of be in the locker room thinking through your strategy, thinking through your game plan. Um, if you're already through with raising kids, 
Um, you can wake up because it still applies to you. And, and in case you're thinking, oh, it's parenting, I'm done with that stage. The great news is, is you can come alongside a bunch of people who are in the trenches. You've got a lot of people here that, that you might already know. And you can kind of just say, hey, I, I'm, I'm supporting you. I'm on your team. I want to help. Um, it's your responsibility. <laughs> but, but, but I want to help if I can be a help. And uh, the other thing is your own character is still forming. All of us, you know, God is still at work in all of our lives. He's trying to form character in us. And so you can apply a lot of this to your own life personally, just thinking through, okay, am I really growing in the right direction? Is my life heading in the right, in the right way? If you're not in the stage of life yet, um, maybe this will give you some perspective. Just be thinking through areas to work on personally, or, or if you're investing your life in people. Maybe there's some, um, some guys in your life. If you're a guy and you're investing in a, in a younger group or a group of peers who are who've come to know Christ, you're trying to figure out how do I do this, this is stuff you'd want to pay attention to. Because this is about how are we... What's the strategy we use to grow? What's the strategy that we're using to form character? You'll see there's an outline here, but at the top of the outline it it says that character is what you really are. Character is what you really are. Your reputation is different. Your reputation is what people think you are. Okay, And we have a reputation, and we would like our reputation to be a certain thing, but our character is, is who we really are when no one is looking. It's different from... What's judged on American Idol, you know, for talent, you know, if you've got talent and you can express yourself vocally, instrumentally, you can dance, it's, character is very different than that. It's something that we work on, it's something that we can develop. Character is also very different than intelligence. Um, intelligence, you know, we might judge intelligence. Anybody ever do a spelling bee? I was in a spelling bee when I was in like, you know, grade school and, and, you know, anybody win a spelling bee? Any spellers here? Oh, we got one. We got one. She was a little shy. <laughs> but we got a few spelling champs here. But, I mean, character, intelligence is extremely important. Character is, is far more important. Sometimes it's easy in parenting to just be thinking about, here's the things I, I guess my kids need to learn. They need to graduate. So whatever the state says is required to graduate, then that's my goal. I just want to get them ready to graduate so they can launch into the world. If that is your goal, the state cares very little about your character or your children's character. They're not thinking about this area of total development in the child. And I'm not against education, but that, that's, not their, that's not their goal. So you have to be thinking about this. I, as a parent, have to be thinking about this. And so our character is what you know, we really are. And we're, we're talking this morning about developing high character, high moral character, high value in our children. And the goal is this. It's not just to get them to do the right things, but it's to love the right things. We want our kids to love the right things. This is true for all of us. God doesn't want us just to, just to be people who just, um, you know, behave well up to a certain point. But our behavior should be tied to some motivations inside of us. We love the right things. When we love the right things, it changes the way we behave. It changes the reasoning, the motive behind what we do. Um, sometimes my kids will come to me and they'll, they'll, they'll want something, but I could tell the motive is to get something out of it. They don't really love, they're not loving the right thing, they're just doing the right thing because they know they're going to get something. And so we have to really wrestle with this area of what's the true goal? And if you read a lot of parenting books, you're going to get all sorts of goals. And you're going you're gonna to learn that you know, one of the goals may, may need to be behavior management. Maybe you want your kids to behave well. Uh, 
maybe one of your goals is athletic, um, you know, you know, greatness. You know, maybe it's physical, you know, maybe there's some physical goals you want in your kids. But this whole area of developing character is something far, far different. And the scripture gives us some, some principles in it that we really ought to, to heed. We've got to pay close attention to. Look at that list in your outline. Just some of the things that we want our children to move from. All in the, in the from category in your outline is all of these areas that are very natural to all of us. These are things that are, that are very much inborn into the human race. We're all very impulsive. We do what we want to do. We're cowardly. We'll, we'll cheat our way in order to get what we want. We'll be excessive. We'll be selfish. There's this inborn side of us that's selfish. Folly, Scripture says, is born. You know, it's, it's in the heart of a child. The folly, the word folly, developed in the, in the Hebrew, it means, you can say this phrase, I want what I want. It's a stubborn, determined self-centeredness. This is something that resides in the heart of every child from the day they're born. This isn't something we have to learn. You know, mine. Boom, that's mine. <laughs> if you watch kids, you'll see this. And this is in all kids. And it may not be, you may think, well, my kid is exceptional. He doesn't hit. He doesn't do this. Your kid still has this selfish, stubborn side of him. And so these are things we want to move him from. From self-centeredness, from deceitfulness, laziness, stubbornness, demanding. See all those things in that list. Those are things we want to move them from towards these other areas. Prudence, courageous, justice, self-controlled. We want kids who, who love these things. Not just do these things, but they love. They prefer. They choose to value the right types of things in their life. Rather than being self-dependent, they, they want to be God-dependent. You know, these are things that when my kids, when we reach the end of the game, I want to look and think back to the time on the playing field and think about, and they're ready for life because I see these values. I see that they love the right things. I see that their hearts are wrapped around what is important to God. And not that they're just doing the right thing. Not that just that they can behave and have good manners, but that they love things that are valuable to God. That's, that's what I want as a parent. And I think that's what you want as well. There, there are six areas that we're going to look at when you're developing components of your game plan. And so you can take these and kind of work with these as things shift in your life. Not always able to tackle all these areas, but let's take a look at these together. Character first is learned through daily situations. You learn character through daily life. And in the early part of the Bible, you find this in a passage where God speaks to his people about raising up the next generation. And this is coming from a man who is at the end of his life, Moses, the leader of Israel. He's the leader of God's people. He led them out of captivity from Pharaoh and Egyptian slavery. And he, God's people are now free and they're, they're about to cross over into the promised land, the land that God had, had, had told them was theirs to, to inhabit. And Moses is saying, look, I can't go with you. I violated some things. I can't go with you. But there's some really important things I want you to remember. And he walks him through the, the Ten Commandments. And he tells them, these are the things that God gave us. These are the things that will keep our children and our children's children and our children's children on track. And he's saying, look, this is what will bless your life. And so look at this, Matthew chapter, or Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I'm sorry. Verse 5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Essentially, that means put God first. If you're trying to sum that verse up, it means put God first. Moses is saying, if you will do that, 
That's a starting point. You've got, to put, you've got to prioritize God in all areas of your life. Put Him first place. And He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. These are things you want to wrap your heart around. You, you've got to start there. You parenting, or parents, you have, to, you have to personally wrap your heart around God's commandments, God's ways. And then you can, as it goes on, impress them on your children. Hard to impress something on someone if you don't possess that thing. If you don't possess character, it's hard to impress character on your children. And then he says this. He talks about how do you practically do this? What does that look like? And he goes on and says, talk about them. Talk about the commandments. Talk about what God says. Talk about them when you sit at home. You're sitting around. What do you do when you're sitting around at home? Come home from a long day at work or you're in the middle of a busy day, mom, and you, know, you sit down, you're at home, and you're... What are you thinking? What are you talking to your kids about? I know for me, the temptation is just to sit there kind of lifeless and, and kind of gloss over. And there, I hear noises and I see movement in lips, but I'm not processing all of what's going on. So, but I'm encouraged to engage at that point. I'm encouraged to talk about this stuff with them when I sit at home. He says, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. This is the idea of in your daily life, in your daily interaction, we're to relate to our kids and to share with them what, what's important to God. As you're moving through the circumstances of your day, you're teaching through those circumstances. And that's how characters form. Characters form in daily interactions. And it's, it's even formed, you know, not just in the highs, but in the lows. When you walk through difficulty on the job, when things aren't going well, at, at, good at work, and you, you're, someone's riding you at work, or when you didn't get the raise that you expected, or... Or when, or when you lose your job, or when, or when you don't get the promotion. Your response to all of those situations, your children are paying attention. They're seeing the daily interactions, and they're paying attention to see what your faith is really made of. And as they, as they get older, they're, they're paying close attention, and the character they're developing will grow as they watch and learn from your example in these areas. This is, this is both a challenge and a comfort. It's a challenge because we, we recognize we're all human and we all make mistakes and we, we're going to struggle, aren't we? But it's a comfort knowing that this is our responsibility. We don't have to give this to anyone else. We can take responsibility for this whole area. But this is important to understand. There's a quote. It's not on the screen, but it says, Art develops in isolation. Art develops in isolation, but character in the stream of life. The idea here is that if you're a guitarist or you're a vocalist, you pull back, you withdraw in isolation and you work on your your you know your trade and and your talent and you you're producing something better and your skill is improving over time but character is formed by not being in a cave but by walking through the highs and lows of life and responding to what God is says in his word and just walking with your kids through it all helping them understand even when you mess up helping them understand daddy needs to make this right cuz he messed up they need to see that in, in our lives. The second thing is character is learned through reward and punishment. If you have a little child, um, you have to take care of them. This is our responsibility. If you have little children, um, you know, six months, eight months, ten months, your job really is nurturing, caring, protecting them. But there comes a point where you need to, where they will begin to exert their will. And then you need to set some boundaries, Right? Otherwise, if you don't set boundaries, your children will get hurt. And they, they won't recognize how painful some of the things they're going to bump up against in life. 
But we, it's our job to explain what the boundaries are, to set the boundaries, and explain why those boundaries are there. Uh, but when children are somewhere between two and three years old, you understand just how necessary it is to hold the boundaries, don't you? That we call that the terrible twos, or the you know sometimes it goes into threes and fours, and you know that it is in those years when parents can go crazy. <clears throat> and I am speaking from some experience here, where it's in those moments when I'm like, "What are they thinking? What are they doing? I'm like, Didn't I just say?" And they're doing it anyway, and it just. And depending on where I'm at, man, hey, you feel like you're going to lose it. You feel like you're going to lose your temper. You feel like you're going to lose your mind. I was in Target recently, and we were in the shopping, um, you know, line, and, and things were going well in, in the family dynamic for us. But that's not the typical thing. I mean, it's not always like that. But I looked to the right at this commotion, and this lady's lighting up her kids, and she's screaming, I told you to stop it. I'm going. I go away and she screams go away and her poor kids are there and they're just <clears throat> and, I, and I'm thinking man my heart goes out to that lady because I, I you know I'm a parent I understand you know we look at the parent we think oh they're a horrible parent this is hard it's hard work isn't it now should we control our temper yeah we should control our temper but this is hard work it's in those years though when they're, pushing the, when they're pushing the limits, we have to set some boundaries and we have to keep those boundaries. Look at Hebrews 12:11. Speaking about discipline, I'm going to explain the context of this first. Let me read it first. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. When we're being disciplined, it doesn't, we don't feel like, man, this is a good experience for me. Ah, I like that. That's painful. That's good. It says, it's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. We, there's something developing. The harvest takes a while. Any, any farmers here, they know the harvest is not instantaneous. The farmer plants a seed, he waters it, he watches it grow, he needs sun, you need all this stuff. Harvest comes over time, doesn't it? To produce a harvest of righteousness in our kids, it's a, it's, it, can be, it comes through painful, a painful process that often requires discipline. God's talking about how God uses discipline in our own lives to grow us up. He disciplines us. He loves us. But he, and because he loves us, he'll discipline us to help us grow character in life. And the same is true for our kids. And you don't punish your kids because you're a mean person. You punish them because they've violated a boundary that you've established. This whole area, though, it needs to be handled wisely. Um, you need to set wise boundaries and tell why. Set wise boundaries. Don't just... And this is a really important area. There's a book I recommend. It's Dare to Discipline. It's by Dr. James Dobson. Dare to Discipline. And it really looks at this whole area of discipline because, you know, the book implies, I dare you to do it. Nobody's doing it. I dare you to do it. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. It's difficult to hold the line. It's difficult to establish the boundaries and the lines. But then it's even more difficult to enforce the boundaries in life. And... But if you're not careful, if you just if you don't think through wise boundaries and you don't explain why, you're going to run into problems. If you're not careful, you just end up, you know, don't do that. Don't do that. And it becomes a pattern of don't do that. Don't do that. Buddy, don't do that. Don't. Don't. And we just don't. Don't. Do, and all they ever hear is don't do that. Do, do, don't. And they begin to think, man, I cannot do anything right. Everything is wrong. And oftentimes... Life just begins to become one big stream of don'ts. And we don't think through 
So it's really important to drop back and think about what really needs to be the boundaries. I heard one friend of mine say, I, I want to be able to say yes to my kids a lot. I want to be able to set the boundaries that will allow me to say yes often. And not just, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. I want my kids to remember that, that daddy was for them. Not that daddy was always on them and riding them and, and against them. So I would encourage you to think through, you know, make, make the minimum number of rules. But make the rules. You need to set the boundaries. If you have all kinds of rules, what it does is it forces you to be a full-time FBI agent. And you're constantly... You know, on the lookout, bam, you're just constantly having to take things out on your kids. So be careful. Drop back and think through what really needs to be the boundaries in my kids' lives. And then punish the wrong and tell why consistently. When, the violate, when they violate a boundary, punish the wrong and tell them, this is why I, I have to discipline you. And the same thing is true of praise. Praise the right consistently and tell them why. When they've done right, this is something that, I don't know if it's just me as a, as a dad, but... This is a struggle. When my kids do right, really trying to work on praising the fact that they've done the right thing. Good job. Gavin, you did good. We had a sports camp recently, and, and, and I got some bad reports, but I got some good reports. When I heard the good reports, I was, I, you know, he, he would come to me, Daddy, I did it God's way. And I'm like, that's, that's great, Gavin, you did it God's way. Because sometimes that's, that's not often for him, you know. It's, and so... <laughs> It's, he, needs to, he needs to see that daddy is, is for him. And not just, well, good, finally you did it, you know. So, again, think through this whole area and be careful. Because I know in my own heart, sometimes the don'ts and the do's have to do with if I'm in a good or bad mood. Or if I'm too busy. Or whatever, you know. Don't do that. But it's, it's really because I'm just, I'm inconvenienced right now. Or I, I got up cranky this morning. And so they're all confused about the don'ts and do's because of that. So think through intentionally what those boundaries need to be. Another point here is the wrong use of reward and punishment. What it does is it creates a what's in it for me mentality. They get this attitude of, man, what, what am I going to get out of this? They'll work reward and punishment in their own favor, and they won't really learn to love what's right. And we want them. Again, the goal is not just to do right, but is to love what's right. So focus on praising the right behavior. Um, there, what's the problem with giving a reward for for right behavior what's that yeah it becomes expected this is i i I encountered this this morning and i thought i'm talking about this area today think josh this has to do with that no son you you know he's like can you tell me a memory verse really quick because i get something in class if i remember and i'm like well i think the point there is that you're learning it throughout the week and not just cramming it into your head, you know, as you're heading into class. You know, give me the shortest Mary verse you got, Dad. You know, give me something you can just I can. That's not the point here. And uh, the idea here is, again, we want them to love what's right. So I had to think, OK, how do I how do I explain the value of Scripture? How do I explain? I mean, he's six, but this is important. This is when he learns these things. This is when he needs to understand and and. I'm not going to say fall in love, but to begin to treasure what Scripture has to say. And so this is, this is something to pay attention to. The younger they are, the more important this is. Start as, as early as you can in this area. The older they are, the more difficult it is to deal with this whole area of, of punishment because they get to an age when it's very, very difficult to, to punish if, you've just, if you're just beginning. But it's not a lost cause. You haven't, even if you feel like, man, I'm just starting and here's where I am, well, you, you know what? 
Ask the Lord for His help. Ask the Lord for the ability to catch up. Ask the Lord for people to come alongside you and to support your efforts. He can, he can provide the help. Next thing is characters also learn through unconscious imitation. Unconscious imitation. You know, unconscious meaning we're not really aware that we're doing it. We're just, it's just imitation. We're copying someone. We learn these things. Characters learn through... We're just sort of hardwired to copy other people's behavior, people that we see, people that are in our lives. This is true in adults. And so in the New Testament, we're, we're instructed to, to place leaders in the church. Leaders in the church should be people whose lives are setting an example. So we're to place people who, who, are, who are leading as ones who have demonstrated character over time because we want others to imitate their faith. We want others to imitate their life. This is something that that I try to use to motivate younger men in our church because this is important. Look at this verse. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Paul's writing this to Timothy. He's saying, look, you may be young, but you can still set an example that can be imitated. Set an example in the church, he's saying. This is very true for us. They watch our examples like a hawk, and they begin to copy it. When the two-year-old starts wanting to play with the DVD player, it's because they see mom and dad go up to the DVD player, open it up, put something in it. So they go up and they push the thing and they put whatever they can stuff in there and then they close it and you find toys in the DVD player, you know. And Why did that happen? It's because they're watching. They're paying attention. This this happens very early on. Um, So set the right example yourself. Set the example you want them to follow. As you set the right example, it imprints on their lives, and they'll begin to copy this. <clears throat> if you set the wrong example, again, they'll imitate the, the wrong example in our lives. We've seen this. When Gabriel was three years old, he started walking around saying, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And we're like, where did you get that? Well, we're kind of, we say that word, which is a sarcastic thing, and, and that's ridiculous. And he would walk around, and it was cute hearing him say it, but he, he just, he's copying us. If they see me playing my guitar, what do they want to do? Daddy, I want to play the guitar. If they see you out there working on the car, they want to get under there with you and they want to know how that, how that thing works. If they see you out there cutting the lawn, you know, they want to get out there and push a little baby lawnmower because they want to act like their parents. Isn't that true? It's, it's cute in some of those cute things like lawn mowing, but it's not cute when we've set a bad example and then they're following the bad example. And we're like, oh... I know where they got that from. But if you want your kids to learn to do things life, to learn to do life God's way, then you've got to wrap your heart around what's important to God. Look at what Deuteronomy 6.6, we read this verse already. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. That's the starting point. It has to be something we wrap our hearts around. If we want them to get those things, they're going to have to see that in our lives first. We want to treat them kindly. And justly, they need to see kindness in our lives. Kindness means that you're you're being helpful to your child. You need to lead them, but you want to help them. You want to do things with their best interests. You don't want to just be riding them and being harsh with them. Justice has to do with what is fair, and kids have a have a, a sense of right and wrong very early on. They know when things are not right, when things are wrong. They know when things are fair and unfair. They learn this very quickly. And if you've not already heard this come out of your kid's mouth. Daddy, mommy, that's not fair. That's not fair. They didn't want... That's not fair. 
And you can kind of say, you know what, that's right. That's not fair. Life sometimes is not fair. But what you can do in your home and in your family and in your relationships is you can demonstrate justice. When you do something that's not fair and not right, you can go back to them and say, you know what, that right there, that was not right of me to do that to you. That was not right of me to do that to your mother. Would you forgive me? Or if you've, if you've crossed a boundary in front of your kids and you're getting in an argument and you've, you've, you've blown past just the exchange of words and you've crossed some lines, to go back and to say, you know what, what I said to your mother was wrong. And I've asked her to forgive me, but would you forgive me as well? And I wanted you to know that that was wrong. They're learning these things from us. They're learning about kindness and justice through our example, even of clearing things up. I told my son, I'd play tennis. I'll play tennis with you last week, I told him, because I went and played with my, with my father. And then I didn't. And he said, Dad, you promised you were going to play tennis with me. And I thought, man, I used to be able to say that, and he'd forget. He's not at that stage anymore. That I'll get to that tomorrow it doesn't work for us anymore, because they, they remember. And I'm like, you know what, son? I screwed up. I messed up. And I couldn't go and play tennis. I couldn't. Go and make it right right then, but I at least acknowledge the fact that I blew it. And that's important for our kids to see. Look at Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Exasperating is, that's the result of when you come down too hard on your kids. Instead, bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. So we want to bring them up the way God wants, with kindness, with justice. Another thing is, give them heroes. This is another area of imitation. Give them heroes who exemplify virtues. They need to see people who have the right values. They need to understand that there's some people who are just shining brighter in your life than others. You, you, it's, it's our job, it's your job as a parent to say, to put the spotlight on the heroes and say, this is the person who I want you to focus on. This is a person who's really setting the right example. Give them the heroes. Kids need stories. They need to know what the right example looks like. They don't need, just need to hear about it. They need to see it lived out. They're going to get some of the stories in our kids' zone. If your kids are in our children's ministry, they're going to get that. through. The, but once a week is not enough. Kids need heroes. They need you to reinforce who these heroes are. They need to hear about this more often. If we don't introduce them to heroes, the media will. The TV will. The Internet will. Their friends will. You know, Some of their friends are going to be their heroes. And some of their friends, you don't want them to be their heroes. I had some heroes who were bad you know, characters, and I, I, I thought, those guys are cool, and it got me off track in some areas. It'll get your kids off track, too. Even adults need heroes. Look at James 5, 10 through 11. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And he's saying, these are some guys who went through some really, really hard times. And when we go through hard times, we need to remember those guys who remained faithful in the rough stuff. They didn't cave in. Kids need those examples. He goes on to say, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered, who've hung in there, who've endured. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. You see, men like Job, they set an example, this character in the Bible. Our kids need the right kinds of heroes. At the bottom of the handout on the back, you'll see there's some recommended reading there. These are three books. I, I, you know, you might look at these online, maybe purchase one of those books talking about stories, the value of heroes and stories in your kids' lives. You might consider getting one of those to read and begin to mull on this area. Another part of this imitating is minimizing. You want to minimize exposure to bad examples. 
And you can't pull your children out of this world. And God wouldn't want that. He doesn't want us to be plucked out of this world. He, he, he wants us to be involved in what's going on in the stream of life. He wants us to be learning about it. But we want to minimize exposure to bad examples. The wrong kinds of kids. The wrong kinds of video games. The wrong kinds of TV programs. Even during the children's programming, you, know, the, you still want to filter. You want to watch. Typically, they're just absorbing like sponges. All kinds of examples. Good ones, bad ones. Good ones, bad ones. And if you're not... If we're not, I'll, I'll say this, if we're not paying attention, we're going to miss it. We're going to be at the end of the game. We're going to be looking at, where, where did they learn this from? Well, we, did, we, we allowed too much. In a book written to a church in a very, very corrupt city, Corinthians, it says, 1 Corinthians 15:33. do not be misled. This is a principle of Scripture. Bad company corrupts good character. The people that we relate to, even if you're trying to do right, if you get around the wrong people, it's real easy to slip into the way that they do life. If you link arms and partner and do life with people who are um, going life, doing life in opposition to God, and, and you're not intentional about your interaction to them, that they are going to influence you in the wrong direction. It doesn't mean distance yourself from people who aren't living for God. What this is saying is be careful that you don't link arms and do life with them in the way that you would with someone who's walking in the same direction as God, that God would want you to walk in. You have to be really careful. God wants us to be close and to be sharing life with people who are still in the process of coming to Christ, but be very careful who you're closest to. And be careful who your kids are getting close to. But character is learned in that whole area of imitation. They're going to just absorb things through imitating. It's also learned through reflective thinking. Two-year-olds don't do a lot of reflective thinking, do they? But... You know, but as they grow older, you can start telling them why. These are the boundaries, and here's why. This is what, you're, you know, buddy, you're not supposed to do this, and here's why you're not supposed to do that. They need to understand and reflect upon it. Help them understand what happens when you rebel, when you personally rebel. You know what? When I did that, when I blew past that boundary, here's what happened to me. This is why I don't do that anymore, because here's the result. And as they get older, they need to, they need to learn these things. But teach them how life really works. Teach them how life works. How do relationships work? How, does, how do you manage money? How do you handle um, friendships? What does God say about my attitude? What does God say about my work? They need to see how life works. What does God say about how life really works? Look at the book of Proverbs, verse three, or chapter 3, 1 and 2. He's saying, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands. He's saying, reflect on these things. Don't forget about them. Keep them. Keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. What the dad is saying in this very long passage is, I'm teaching you how life really works. See, pay attention. I'm teaching you how life really works. And then he, what he does in the book of Proverbs is he, started, he starts to address themes and categories that come up in life. It's very important that your children understand what God has to say in the Scripture, both systematically and, and, and categorically. They need to understand, especially, what do I do in this situation? Because that's how we live. We, we live categorically. We live topically in our life. We, we, don't, we don't live, you know, in a systematic manner. It's, it's, life is just coming at us. So if we're not teaching our kids to understand categories, how God says to respond to different kinds of things, um, our kids are really going to struggle. We need to help them understand but again, if you don't teach them how life works, someone will. Someone will teach them how life works. 
Another thing, help them evaluate experiences to learn. They need to know which experiences they, they need to evaluate and learn from. You know, when you did that, this happened. Every time you did that, it seems like this is what happens. You might say, you know, next time you get into that situation, how might you change things so that you would end up with something better? You, you can help them evaluate. This is what we see in the scripture in Proverbs again. Proverbs 24, 30, verse, verse 30 says, I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. You see, the field was something that you would use to produce income. This is, this is the job. This is what would produce income for a person. And then he said, I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. He goes on to say that when you begin to rest a little too much, before long, you get yourself into a real, real big trouble. He's saying you've got to keep working. This guy had let his field go. The thorns, everything was growing up. He had lost sight of his main responsibility. So here in the book of Proverbs, he sees a situation, he's evaluating, and he's learning a lesson. He's just not saying, oh, that was interesting, and he walks on by. He stops, he pauses, he takes it in, he figures I need to learn for the future. I need to take that to note for where we're headed. And kids really need to learn this. This is what we want our kids to do, to learn from experience. My kids haven't arrived at that point to where they're coming and saying, Dad, you know, this is what happened, and, and I think, you know, I think I need to do this, this. But I think these are the years when, you know, those early years when you want to begin to ask questions to see if they'll begin to say, I think, I think this. I think that. You want to hear what they're thinking. If they're landing with the wrong conclusions, then I'd encourage you to keep challenging what they're thinking and asking more questions. Characters also learn through enduring through difficulties. You can't avoid difficulties. They just happen in the flow of daily life. But they need to learn how to endure, how to bear up under. Consider it pure joy, James says, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, which is patience. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is sort of hard for us as parents because when our kids get into tough situations, parents, particularly moms, particularly moms, they want to protect. There's this nurturing, there's this protector side to where when kids get in difficulty, we want to shield, we want to protect. Your heart is going out to them. Sometimes you'd rather just pull them out of the tough situation rather than trying to help them go through it. This is... Parents, you have to, if you're parenting alone, you have to just understand that endurance is a a shaping tool for your child. And dads, when your kids are struggling, you're going to be, it's going to be more your um, instinct to say, I think this is something they probably need to get through this. So it's in those times when you have to say, honey, I think this is something God may be trying to teach them. You know, we can't just pluck them every time out of a tough situation. If it gets hard in sports and they're in... You know, they're in, uh, you know, football in high school and they go through what's called hell week and they get to Wednesday and hell week. And it's just a horrible week of grueling training and practices and all this stuff. And you pluck them out of that experience. You know, there's something that's being developed inside them. They're learning not to quit. They're learning not to give up under pressure. God wants us to learn to endure under pressure. So this may be difficult, but it starts early on when they're five, when they're in T-ball. And they're having a bad day and they didn't get a home run. They didn't like everybody else did. And for you to say, it's okay. It's okay that you got out. It's okay. You know, you don't have to give up. You're part of this team. You know, this isn't for quitters. Our kids need to hear this. 
But coach them through challenges. Coach them through it. Help them learn how to process and work through things. They're going to be disappointed. We can count on it. It might be a two-year-old he's angry, or an eight-year-old, or a 16-year-old, but just help them work through the challenge that they're facing. It might be with a friend. Help them work through those things. Coach them. Get down on their level and help them figure out what's going to make sense to them. And this is hard for us. It's hard for me. I get, I get way too complicated with my kids, and, and then I'm asking them questions, and they're just this glossed-over, puzzled look, and, and then Erica will translate it into six-year-old language, what we're trying to communicate. Oh, you, this is really important. The last thing is this. Characters learn through a relationship with God. Pray for them. Not just when they're in trouble. Not just when they're about to hit a bad spot. But pray for them before they get into trouble. Look at the things you want in their life and begin to pray now for those things. Pray that God would develop those things in them. This is what you see in the scripture as a pattern. Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says, For this reason... Paul's praying for major church leaders. He's praying for character to develop in them. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will and through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul knew what they really needed to lead. And we pray that this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. He's praying for these things ahead of time, for these things to occur in individuals. So we've got to get ahead of the game with our child and pray for things that will be coming. Help them learn to cooperate with God. It's the last thing. They need to learn to connect with the living God. That He's real. He's not just true, but He's real. This comes through an example that we set. But they need to understand that Jesus Christ, He came to this planet. He was God Himself. He died on the cross to pay for our own sin, for our own rebellion, because what we found ourselves in is we found ourselves in the face of judgment and separation from God for all eternity. And when we understand what that means and our children begin to understand through our own example that we are cooperating with a living God, that we, we've responded to Him, that Jesus Christ is now the Lord of our life. He's led us on a new path. We're no longer, we're no longer heading towards a future of complete separation from God in hell without any opportunity to connect with Him ever again, when we've responded to God's offer, and it begins to not just change the future destination of heaven and hell, but it changes the way we live our life. If we'll learn to cooperate with God, it sets a tremendous example for our kids to learn to cooperate with God. So as you yield your life to Him, your children, that becomes more and more appealing. And it's not just about praying some prayer and then going back to doing life the way you've always done it, but it's about Inviting Christ in saying, God, I want you to be the boss of my life. I accept Jesus as the one who's paid the penalty for my rebellion. Thank you for forgiving me for all my sins, for everything I've ever done. I want to do life your way. And then allowing him to lead your life in a new direction. Not just saying, okay, did that magic prayer change anything? And you look around and all the pressure's still there. But it's now saying, okay, God, what am I supposed to do now? How do I, how do I go? And he begins to lead your life through the scriptures. That, that really sets a new direction for your kids. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. The band's going to come up and lead us in two more songs. And I talked about some of these features of a game plan. Next week, we're going to look at sons and daughters and how it requires different strategies for them. But let, let's go to the Lord in prayer and, and like to pray. If you're a parent, I'd like you to stand. If you don't mind, you don't have to. But if you're a parent, I'd like to pray for you. And for those people that um, 
our parents. Yeah, if you'd stand, I, I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to pause after I'm done praying and just be some silence. And it's okay to have some silence. The band will be playing. And um, while, while there's some silence, I would invite you parents to just pray. Just pray, God, give me the strength that I need to parent, to take this very seriously, to take this role, this responsibility very seriously. And if you're sitting around some people who are standing, I would encourage you to just pray for those people that are standing beside you and pray for them because they're in the trenches. We are in the trenches. And we're not alone. We're in this together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you so much for giving us a game plan. Lord, thank you first and foremost for Jesus Christ coming to this earth and living a perfect life and dying on our behalf, giving us...